following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. How you doing? Come on, how you doing? How you doing? Yeah, yeah. It's an honor to see you. It's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to be on top of it instead of it being on top of me. Isn't that a great day? What a wonderful day we're having. 34 baptized in the first service. 37 last service, 71. Wouldn't it be cool to get 29 here in this service and have 100 today, have a triple digit in water baptism? Wow. Hey, folks, that's the hand of God. We don't take any credit for that. That's God's hand on us. That's favor. And we're glad that we found his cloud and not tried to make him move where we are, but we're following what he's doing, and God is honoring that. It's an honor to see you today. First of all, I want to say to Philip, Philip, the boys are playing basketball with you every night, and I appreciate the fact that you're teaching them basketball. One of the Sunday school people just came and said, your kid just dunked on one of the other kids, and, and the kid's crying, so you might ought to go take care of him. Philip is a dude, isn't he? He's something else. We love Philip and Annie. Hey, is Vince anointed or what? Can Vince, Vince. If I'm in heaven's choir, I want you right beside me so everybody think I'm singing good. What a joy to hear him sing. He's such a delight. He and Denise have been such a blessing here. And, and, uh, and, and you can give me that $50 after church, Vince, for saying that. All right. Would you stand? You're incredible people. And while you're standing, I want to say this to you. Uh, Friday night was just unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And the fact that our, our ladies put that together in such a beautiful, beautiful connection. Uh, Jess's spoken word, she wrote that in less than an hour. And we're going to turn that in to something that they say sent us a spoken word, and we're going to turn that in with all the stuff. And Jess is liable to be out there writing spoken words for people because what a word she gave us during that advertisement when, when we was moving through the program. You know... I had, a, I had a watch party of one. I did because Patty decided not to stay with me because I was the wrong species. She went to be with the lady. She went to be with the ladies, and it broke my heart for a while. Then I discovered, oh, I can go get me a Pepsi anytime I want to, and I can watch this, and I can switch over and watch the ball games or whatever. I didn't ever switch the channel. I'm telling you, I hung in there, and then... I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to compliment my sweet daughter. She is a, she's a very humble kid. But I told her, I don't know if I need to call you Beth Moore or Joyce Meyer. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe she's a hybrid. I don't know. But Lord, 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 I'm going to have to pick up my game. That girl, that girl brought the word Friday night. And what a joy to have raised kids. I didn't do this in first and second service. <laughs> As the women do in funerals. <laughs> All right. All right, it's preach time. It's preach time. It's preach time. It's preach time. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'm blessed to pastor a church that has that much get up about it that can produce those kind of things and make everybody feel so special. I'm speaking today on today is. Everybody say today is. is. Say it's not today was. It's today is. Today is never a was. It's always an is. It's a present tense. It's right now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed hour. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad. Today is. I'm going to read from the book of Joshua. I'm not going to be lengthy today. I hope I'm decent. Joshua chapter 2, Rahab let them down by a rope through the window. For her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. And afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come to, into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. In other words, they said your house will be saved if you leave the cord that you're letting us down with out your window until we come back. There's got to be an identification. A cord's got to come out of your window. She said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Joshua chapter 6 Joshua said, go to the prostitute's house and bring the woman out of it. So the young men who had been spies brought Rahab out along with her father, mother, brothers. Folks, if you're going to get salvation, bring your daddy and your mama and your brothers and everybody that belongs to you and set them with you in the camp of Israel. And they burned down the city and everything in it. But Rahab, the prostitute, Joshua spared her family, has lived in Israel ever since, ever since. Hebrews 11, by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. Rahab and Sarah are the only two women that made the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame, the chapter of the Hall of Fame. And she was a madam, and Sarah was a 90-year-old woman that was barren, but God gave her a son named Isaac. Then in James chapter 2, but, ye, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Likewise, was not Rahab also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That's the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. That's a pretty good word. Everybody say, I want to believe today. I want to have a good today. You may be seated. God bless. I love you. Let me get to the word here. In Rome... Every New Year's Eve, there's a tradition of throwing out old things out of windows. First story, second story, third story, it doesn't matter. To start the new year free from the past. Here's the bottom line. If you're fortunate enough to be in Rome, Italy, some New Year's Eve, you better keep your eye skyward. <laughs> Somebody might be throwing out a heavy piece of furniture just as you walk by. And that would be a collision that you wouldn't win. People everywhere are wanting a reason to get rid of old things and bring in new things. I read about a couple that were in Mexico one New Year's Eve, and they found themselves in a strange situation. It was similar to the tradition in Rome. It was late evening, not yet midnight, and the central square was full of people, lights and music and kids and old people and families. 
Stands were set up selling things, not just souvenirs and food, but an array of inexpensive pottery, mostly simple clay plates. plates. It's interesting. The people buying these clay plates were throwing them, and they were throwing them with force against a wall of the great cathedral, the church in the town square. Smashing the plates, one writer said, to smithereens. They're just throwing them. It was loud. It was raucous. It was exciting. And they discovered a tradition that had grown out of a deep need to throw out old stuff and start the new year free of old resentments and old fears and old prejudices and old sins and old transgressions. And these words were heard. Now, they were spoken in Spanish but I will translate it for you. Throw them out, they said. Throw them out. Let them smash against the strong fortress of faith and be done with it. God is ready to offer healing and a new life. That's what they say. Welcome to Worship Sunday Afternoon, Baptism Sunday. Come on, welcome, welcome, welcome. Many have come today to get free from the old sins the old fears, the old doubts, the old prejudices, and I've come today to receive healing and forgiveness and a new life and a new hope and new dreams. May I say this to all baptism candidates today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Come on, clap your hands big. That's good stuff. It's the first day. It's an old Indian proverb. I'll borrow it for today. I read about a man who made a trip to Alaska to visit some people who lived above the Arctic Circle. And on his return, the man said, never ask an Eskimo how old he is. If you do, the Eskimo will say, I don't know and I don't care how old I am. And he really doesn't. But he did ask one Eskimo a second time how old he was. And the Eskimo said, almost, that's all. I do too. So he asked, almost what? And the Eskimo said, almost one day. I'm almost one day old. And the man did not have a clue what the Eskimo meant until he talked to another man who lived in the Arctic Circle for about 20 years. And he was a newspaper man. And he also had written a book about Eskimo customs and beliefs. And the Eskimos believe that when they go to sleep at night, hear me now, they die. They believe this. They die. I I'm just, I'm just telling you what I read. I, I don't have an Eskimo in my church, but I'd like, to, I'd like to interview one. That they are literally dead to the world, and when they wake up in the morning, they are resurrected and are living a new life on day one. Therefore, no Eskimo is more than a day old. That's what the Eskimo meant when he said he was almost a day old. The day is not yet over, you know, it seems kind of like a fairy tale. And what I'm about to preach to you today may seem kind of strange and outside the lines for you that do not know perhaps the gospel I'm going to bring today. But Eskimos never seem worried or anxious. They have learned to face the day life one day at a time. So, you know, in my, in my writing of my sermons, I, I use 28 font. Now, I know that that's massive. I know that's big. But when I really want to really illustrate something, I use 48 font. In other words, it's about this tall, okay? About that tall. So I can see it without glasses. I can see it with my eyes closed, whatever. 
It's just shooting at me. But I wrote this one word, today. Say it, today. Today, today, today. I want to declare something to you. Today, you don't have to be an Eskimo to start your life all over again. You don't have to have some kind of uh, a ritual in Rome, a ritual in Mexico to start your life all over again. When you get in the waters of baptism today and you identify with Jesus Christ, you may go down dry and hoping that you can have a new life, but when you come up out of the water, you're walking in a new hope. You're walking in a new life. You have identified to the man, Christ Jesus, and there's nothing like it in all the world. Clap your hands and say amen to that. Amen. So I introduced today Rahab. Pardon me, folks. It's just the Bible, the harlot. I know there's kids here today, and I, I, it's hard to say those kind of words because kids will be asking you that question all afternoon. What is that? But if a picture is worth a thousand words, a word is worth a thousand pictures. And when that word shows up, even in Hebrews 11, God did not want it to get out of our mind of what he, what he can redeem and what he can start over and what he can change. I want to fast forward her story to the end right now. She ends up being one of the great grandmothers of Jesus. She's in the lineage of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. She may have started as a madam, but she wound up in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus can do things that nobody else can do. So how does a person go from a prostitute, a harlot, to the lineage and the genealogy of the Messiah? Glad you asked. She would tell you, my life did not start out and have a great beginning, but God came to me one day. And on that day, I said yes to God. And one day became the first day of the rest of my life. And whatever you read in that Bible, that's who I was. But one day when I see you in heaven, that's what I became. One day when I said yes to Almighty God. The story's pretty simple, folks. Joshua became the leader of the Israelites after their escape from Egypt and 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And Moses was not allowed to cross the Jordan into the promised land because of disobedience of smiting a rock instead of speaking to it that brought it forth water. And Joshua was put in charge of the children of Israel because of his faith. His name means Jehovah is my salvation. That's a great name to have. Jehovah is my salvation. And he and Caleb were the only leaders, spies, who believed 38 years before they got into the promised land that God had given the land to them. They went with 10 other spies and they came back with a good report. And the other 10, led by a man named Shua, came back with an evil report. And they described the land, Joshua and Caleb did, as flowing with milk and honey. They said, there's houses there we didn't build and there's vineyards there we didn't plant. And there's wells there we didn't dig. And they carried grapes from the land so big they had to be carried on a pole between the two men. They were that massive. And so Joshua was the leader now and they've crossed the Jordan. And Joshua, the successor to Moses, commanded two other spies to enter into Jericho. And they came to find the weakness of the city and how they could, how they could 
infiltrate it and how they could bring it down. And this is where Rahab comes in. Jericho had heard the stories of the Israelites and what God had done to the Egyptians at the Red Sea, and they wanted no part of the Hebrew people. They were afraid of how powerful their God was. They did not even want a Hebrew in their city. And apparently someone saw the spies come into town and head to Rahab's house. Now, I'm sorry, folks. I really am. I put it in dark letters here. I'm sorry, folks. But these guys were spiritual. And I don't know if they're going to have a Torah study, a Bible study. I don't know what they're going there for. But I do know one thing, that they went straight to Rahab's house. No quaint to put it, folks. No way to say it. Rahab was who she was. It's just plain and simple. And through the years, Jewish and Christian writers have tried to play it down by saying she was just a hostess. But the Hebrew word here is not hostess. It's another word, okay? It's another word. But that's where the spies went. The leaders of Jericho found out they were there and wanted them out of town and headed over to Rahab's house like a lynch mob. They wanted to take those two spies out. I know some of you are thinking, why would spies stop at the house of Rahab knowing her profession? Well, don't read anything into this, okay? It's kind of funny. But first, it was a good place to gather information. And no questions was ever going to be asked by the women of the house. Like, who are you? Where are you from? And where do you live? And are you married? No questions was going to be asked. The second, her house was on a wall. It's an ideal location for a quick escape. <laughs> so if a wife realized her husband was there, you'd get the picture. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> but thirdly, the real reason God directed them to her house God knew Rahab's heart was wide open for something different in her life. And when you get to a place where all this stuff is just tasting stale and there's no joy and there's no peace and there's no contentment and there's nothing in your life, let me share somebody with you today that can start your life all over again today and bring you to a, a platform and bring you to a place that you could never be without him. When it comes to people, God is not a historian, but he deals in futures. He doesn't care what your past is. He doesn't care how bad your sin was. He doesn't care how many people you've wronged. He doesn't care how much you have called his name in pain. When you say today is the day that I want to be the first day of the rest of my life, and you say yes to the Lord, he will step up in your world and he will change your life and turn you around and give you a hope beyond this life. Oh, hallelujah. Let's have a celebration right now. I don't want to just mess with a woman. Let me talk about a man now. He's in the New Testament. His name was Saul. He was from Tarsus. He was born a Roman citizen, and he was on his way to Damascus one day with letters in his pocket to kill Christians. Rahab might have been a madam, but Saul was a murderer. Sometimes madams look pretty good upside murderers. He had slain a lot of people. He had killed a lot of Christians. And something happened on the road to Damascus one day. One day, something happened. He was stricken laying down in the road and he looked up and a great light shined down on him. And the men that were around him, he, he declared this in Acts 22, 
heard a voice also. And there was a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you persecuteth. And he said, don't you know it's hard to kick against the pricks? And Paul said, what would you have me to do, Lord? What will you have me to do? Not what must I do, what will you have me do? He said, I want you to rise up. And he realized he couldn't see where he was going. He was stricken blind by that great light. And he said, rise up and go to a street called Straight in Damascus. And there you're going to meet a man named Ananias. And Paul, talking to the elders in Jerusalem in chapter 22 after his conversion, said it this way. He said, I went there. And he said, I talked to Ananias and said, he laid hands on me and I began to see my blindness went away from me. And then he said to me in verse 16, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And the same red cord that represented the blood of God and, the, and, and represented the blood of the, of the slain lamb of God in the Old Testament was the same blood that stopped Paul on the road to Damascus and Paul identified, and, and, and Rahab identified, and they both had their life turned around. And one day, they may be standing next to each other in the choir of heaven, because God takes the bad, and the worse, and the pitiful, and the poor, and the sad, and the hurting, and he turns their life around, because today may be the day that's the first day of the rest of your life. See, the greatest psychologists, the greatest psychiatrists, the greatest mind healers, the greatest counselors could not reform Rahab and they couldn't reform Saul of Tarsus in a day. People like Rahab and Saul could not be reformed. Only by the precious blood of the lamb did this lady and this man have a turnaround. See, Rahab recognized something. This God of the Israelites was not an ordinary God. She told the spies, Three things. I know the Lord has given you this land. I know that. Your terror has fallen upon us. We heard what happened when you came across the Red Sea 40 years ago. And all the inhabitants of the land are faint because of you. And the God that you serve is all powerful. And we know that. And the God you serve is the creative God. And he's the one that we should worship. And she acted accordingly in faith. It doesn't matter what she was holding on to. It was time to take the plate and smash it against the wall and say, today's a new day. What do you want me to do? As a result, when the posse came, she hid the spies on the roof, struck a bargain with those two spies for herself and her family, then helped them escape. And in verse 15, the Bible said, Rahab let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. Now here I want to preach a little bit, then I'm going to get through, I'm going to be finished. But let me preach a little. And if I kind of go off, uh, if I kind of go off a little bit, I'm just feeling good about it, okay? I'm just warning you, I might go off. The sign of their covenant with her was a red cord. A red cord. Everybody say a red cord. Seems so insignificant. It seems so ununique. It seems so what? A red rope? You're saying that a sign of a covenant is a red rope? You know, theologians have looked through the Bible and a scarlet, red run, a scarlet thread runs all through the Bible. 
A scarlet thread representing the coming of Jesus Christ, even from Genesis 3 and 15, runs all through the Bible. And by this means that the Bible theme is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for the redemption of mankind. You gotta get this. The blood of Jesus runs throughout the entire Bible symbolically. It's seen in the animals killed in Eden to provide garments for Adam and Eve. And the ram that took Isaac's place on the altar at, at Mount Moriah. And the Passover lamb once a year that was slain is a sacrificial lamb of God. And from the unusual childbirth in the Old Testament to the high priest's garment to the conquest of Canaan with a rope out the window. The Old Testament tabernacle, a scarlet thread or yarn is part of the tabernacle curtains which represents the blood of the lamb. And the scarlet was also on the high priest ephod in Exodus 28. Here's what I want to tell you. That old priest would look and see that red on his ephod and he would start praising because he understood that I'm preaching something that is going to help people for a long, long time. And even though the lamb's blood just took them one year ahead, he knew that one day there was going to be someone that was going to come. They didn't know who it was, but he was going to be somebody that was going to take away the sin of the world. And he worshiped. And now I stand here looking at the thing that I'm wearing, this ephod, and it's got red on it. And I can look back to the cross and realize that one day on a place called Calvary, uh, Jesus died for me and gave me an opportunity to find him and see him and feel him and believe in him. And I can worship him today because one day, one day became the first day of the rest of my life. Can we praise him for the cross right now? Can we praise him for the cross right now? Oh, let me preach a little. Because of the, her faith in God, God saved Rahab in her house. She married Solomon, became the mother of Boaz, Jesse's grandfather. And the day Jericho fell, the red cord showed out the window. Have you ever thought about what those people in Jericho thought when they saw that red cord for several days out that window? Hey, ain't that, the, is that, yeah, that, isn't that Rahab's house? What's the red cord, man? Is she into a new business? What's she running now? What kind of scam she running now? What's she doing? Oh, if you only knew what that was. What's she doing? She's selling some Coke, some marijuana. <laughs> what's she doing? What's the red thing? What's, what's she doing? Let's go pull on it and see if it rings a bell or something. Better not touch it, buddy. It's sacred. It's holy. It's a covenant. And even though it was just a rope, it was a rope of hope. And God said, I'm going to save your house if that rope is hanging out that window when we come to take Jericho. Somebody say amen. amen. And she lived in Israel from that day till her death. Her faith had a handle. And the handle was a red cord. Everybody say, my faith, my faith. needs a handle. Now, I got to preach now a little bit. Now, listen, listen. Here's what you need to understand. A lot of people have faith. A lot of people have faith. A lot of people believe. The devil believes that there's one God and he trembles, but he don't even think about it. And you just can't sit in your home and say, well, I have faith, faith, faith. I got faith, faith, faith. I got faith, faith, faith. But where's your handle? What kind of handle do you have? David had faith, but he had a handle called a slingshot. Moses had faith, but he had a, a rod called the rod of God that stretched out across the Red Sea and the waters parted. Come on now. Gideon had faith, but he had a sword in his hand. I'm talking to you. Everybody's faith needs a handle. You need something to get a hold of. You need something to solidify your faith. Can I give you a representation of what you can solidify your faith with? Get a grip on Jesus Christ. 
He is the greatest handle you'll ever get a hold of in your life. You need a handle. And when you get a hold of him, hey, listen, it's not the will of God to come to church on Sunday and then sin all week. It's not the will of God to be righteous here and then every day of the week just do whatever you want to do. One day in your life, one day you've got to say, I'm going to get a hold of this and I'm going to hang on like I've never hung on in my life. I want Jesus to be my handle. I want him to be my Messiah. I want him to be my healer. I want him to be my Savior. I want to live in his world and not in my world. I'm trying to preach to you. And the second thing you need not only a handle, you need a place to settle. You need a place to have a settling place. You need to have a, a settling place in your life. In other words, you need to have a place where it says, okay, this is it. Bam. I'll give you an illustration. I was a kid. I was, six, I was in the sixth grade, and I'm not a fighter. I never had a fight in school in my life. I'm a lover. But I never dated anybody because I was afraid if I asked a girl, she wouldn't say yes. That's a fact. That's, a fa that's really a fact. Honestly, that's a fact. And I'm not trying to get you to say, oh, pastor, oh, pastor. No, don't go there. I know what this face looks like. It's a face for radio, not television. I understand that. <laughs> but, but in the sixth grade in sundown Texas, I had a kid that just wouldn't leave me alone. He just kept pushing me. He'd push me against the lockers, and he'd just mess with me. And I, I got enough of it one day. I didn't think I ever would. Mama, you know, the reason I didn't, reason I didn't fight him was because Mama said, hey, we're Pentecost. And you don't fight that kid. You hear me? And daddy said, son, don't start a fight, but end it. So I was somewhere between Jesus and John Wayne. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, didn't, I really didn't. I, I wanted to hit him so bad. I wanted, to, I wanted to take him out. Sixth grade, I wanted to knock him into next Thursday. And so one day I just had enough. I just had enough. And my, my Holy Spirit kind of got rested, and I put it on the shelf. And I said, I'll see you behind the field house uh, after school today, and we're going to settle this. He looked at me, and I could, I could tell immediately there was fear in his eyes. I stood up to him. He didn't like that. So I showed up. I was out there. Be honest with you, I was a little nervous. But my adrenaline was moving, and I just kind of jumping around, you know. I'm, I needed some Skittles or something to kind of help me. <laughs> but five minutes, he is late. Ten minutes, he is late. Thir Thirty minutes, he is late. He didn't show up. And I walked away from there and I saw him the next day. I said, hey, where were you? You never, heard such a, you never heard such a story in your life. He said, oh, man. He said, I like you. You're my buddy. He put his arm around and said, let's just be friends. And I, I shoved him against the locker. <laughs> I got him back at least that. You know what? The old boy became my friend. I said, why didn't you show up? He said, man, I don't want to mess with you. I don't want to mess with you. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> but I went to a place to settle it. And whatever came was going to come. I settled it. Can I tell you where the settling place in your salvation is? The settling place is in the waters of baptism, and the handle is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get a handle on your faith, and you get in the settling place, all of a sudden things start working in your life. Somebody help me preach right now. You need a settling place, and you need a handle in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And on the day that Jericho fell, that red cord was her handle, and the faith was in the blood of the lamb. Oh, that's good stuff. I'm glad I came up with that. 
because I can't think of a better way to end this day than some of you that didn't come today to get water baptized and you can go get water baptized. There's three reasons why I believe in water baptism. Number one is that Jesus talked about it too much for us to think it's not worth anything. One of his first sermons in Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He said it, John 3 and 5. And then at the very end, the last thing he said, go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them. He just said, go tell them, go tell them about baptism. Acts 2, Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. And in Acts 2, 3,000 received the Lord and 5,000 a few days later. And then in Acts 8, a whole city got baptized. Acts 10, a whole house got baptized. In Acts 19, Paul, passing through the upper coast of Ephesus, found 12 disciples or found some disciples of John and said, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They said, we ain't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, well, how were you baptized? They said, under John's baptism. He said, well, John baptized under repentance. Am I talking too fast? I'm rolling, I'm rolling. And he said, when they heard this, they were rebaptized, and Paul laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Baptism is something that Jesus Christ ordained. He blessed it. Don't tell me it's just something that you do. It's something. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Salvation's waiting on you in the water today. Salvation's waiting on you in the water today. It's your settling place, and Jesus is your handle. <laughs> Second reason I believe in water baptism, Jesus did it. You know what brings open heavens to you? Water baptism. The heavens opened and a spirit like as a dove came down and a voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that God spoke right out of heaven and said, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with him. And when you go down in water, he's going to say, I'm pleased with you, son. I'm pleased with you, daughter. That's what it's about. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And then this third, this third one. <laughs> Y'all gonna love this one. The reason I, I believe in water baptism is that the devil hates water. <laughs> he does. I can prove it. He hates water. <laughs> I got you. I got you, Lucy. I got you. I call him Lucy for short. I got you, Lucifer. I got you. You don't like water, do you? Huh? You don't like water. You hate water. That Red Sea got you, didn't it? Noah's flood put you under, didn't it? And when Jesus cast that spirit of legion into those pigs, they jumped in the water. You didn't like that, did you? Come on, come on now. He doesn't like water. And I'm going to prove it to you. The Bible said in Luke 11 and in Matthew 12, I'm going to read Matthew 12 to you. Listen to this, listen to this. Listen to what it says. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. He never looks for a pond. He never looks for a river. I'm about to shout right now. He's looking for rest. He's looking for hope. He's looking for somebody dead and dry, and he finds none. And then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty and swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Hear me today. Hear me today. When the devil is cast out, he can't stand. He can't stand to be without a house. He has to have a house. He needs a house. So why don't you fill yours up today? Why don't you baptize, get baptized in water, make it a settling place today, and let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Let him be the handle of your faith, and understand that when the devil comes back, there'll be a no vacancy sign on your life. 
You know, you know, John Wesley was a was a great minister, and he put he put the ninety five placards on the on on the wall of the church, the Catholic Church, and said, "The just shall live by faith." And and, and you know what? He he used to go through a lot of depression because he felt like the enemy was after him all the time. But when John Wesley would feel depressed, you know what he would say to the enemy? I've been baptized. I have been baptized. And when he said that to the enemy, glory and joy would come back to him. You hear me? This is not just something that we do. James said there's a work. Amen. Both in, both in Rahab and in, and in, in Isaac and, and Abraham and Isaac. He said there's a work. There's, a, there's something with your faith. And I believe that baptism is not only a work, it's a spiritual exercise that gets you in the hand of the Jesus that I preach about and gives you a place to settle so that when the enemy comes, you can hold up your hand and say, not today, not today. This house is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not today. Is that all right with you? Come on, clap your hands. Is that all right with you? Come on, clap your hands real big. Is that all right with you? <laughs> Would you stand? You're incredible people. And I've gone over for the third straight service. And I'm sorry, but Lord, 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 I felt the preach in me today. Everybody say Rahab. Had a day. Everybody say Saul. Had a day. Woo! Everybody say I. Have a day. Today is. You, you fill in the blank. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Come on, praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Come on, let's have a worship session right now. Praise him all over this house. Praise him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You that are going to be baptized today, Take the devil behind the field house and wear him out because you have found a settling place in the water and you have found your handle in Jesus Christ. What a day, what a day. And I still want to stand beside Vince in heaven one day in the choir. But isn't it going to be wonderful one day to be in heaven together, folks? Listen to me, it's going to be wonderful, isn't it? I'm not, try, I'm not trying to close this out mushy, but folks, I'm preaching about something that'll take us to heaven. This is a heaven sermon today. This is heaven, heaven, heaven. Heaven is real. Heaven is special. And it's for us. Let's go together. Thank you for letting me be your pastor all these years and still loving me today. Thank you. Thank you. Raise your hands. Lord, may the peace of God be upon these people. May the grace of God smile on them. May your face shine on them. Give us a beautiful Numbers 24 in Jesus' name. Let us be blessed in the country. Let us be blessed in the city. Let us be blessed when we get up. Let us be blessed when we lay down. Let us be blessed when everything is outside. Let us be blessed when everything's inside. Let us be blessed. Just let us walk in favor. Let us walk in the goodness of God. 
Let us walk in the hope of salvation every day. Let us look forward to the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And let us identify with the one that is our handle, Jesus Christ. And let us identify as a settling place, the waters of baptism. Thank you for the Jordan, Lord. Thank you because you did that for us. And thank you because you withstood the devil for 40 solid days. And you didn't give in to him because you were water baptized. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and I bless them today. I bless this church. We'll talk to you Wednesday night. I love the fire out of you. Have a great, great day. Be blessed in the Lord. You're the most awesome people on the planet. Don't let anybody tell you any different.